Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello and um, welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. I'm Katie Tyler. We've got a guest today, David or Dave Morris. How are you today? I'm grand, thanks yourself. I'm good, I'm good. Ready for the, the academic year ahead. Um, um, so first of all, thank you for coming on. And uh, just would you mind telling our guests a little bit about yourself, if that's okay? Yeah, so I'm the second in the humanities department here at Ashton Sixon College. This is my, this is going to be my 16th year here, which uh, yeah, is nuts. Um, so our department encompasses sociology, geography, politics and history. Uh, I'm the, the kind of lead for sociology, I guess it would probably be called in some other areas. So yeah, that's my kind of wow. uh, teaching background. So what's the secret? 16 years in the same job. What's, that, what's the secret to, <laughs> to, the, to that success of longevity? Um, one of them was I met my wife because around the time I met her, I was looking at going abroad. Um, but yeah, also just like the area of work, it's it's nearest to where I live. Um, it's got quite a good mix of students. Uh, we get kids from inner city Manchester, kids from Oldham, uh, other parts of sort of Tameside, which is where it's based. Um, some are from really uh, urban settings, some from really rural settings. So you get quite, a, you know, they're not all, it's not a kind of um, homogenous type of student you get here, which keeps it quite interesting. Excellent, sort of diversity of, yeah. of, uh, of students. So obviously we're here today to talk about uh, sort of, I suppose, research uh, versus yeah. classroom practice. Um, and yeah, just really, sort of, you know, there's no hard and fast rules, is there, around it? I mean, that's the point of this sort of discussion as someone that's been sort of, as you've been teaching for 16 years. Um, it's just something good to, to ponder and debate and appreciate you're just one person. There's lots of people that have different different views and that's okay too as, as we know as sociologists so um yeah what's the current research that you've been looking at what's 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 uh what's interest you in, in regards to sort of research so the the college i work at we run um staff members at the kind of at the end of each academic year um sign up for the following academic year for a like a year-long cpd thing and so last year i did one called the journal club um i'm a big reader and it was basically read some academic research and then implement it in your classroom so all right this sounds quite good uh so yeah my i mean in terms of doing my own research i've not done a lot for a while but we were given uh reading to do based on the kind of themes so i was looking at pedagogy um and so my colleague who ran the course uh gave us various books to read and i think there was three in, in those that three that we read that really stood out uh, which I've got with me. So there's uh, Understanding How We Learn, A Visual Guide by uh, Jana Weinstein and Megan Samaraki with a guy called, I think it's Oliver Cavicolioli. Those the illustrations. Uh, Tom Sherrington's Rose and Shine's Principle in Action. And then probably the best teaching book I've ever read, I don't know if you guys have come across this, uh, Boys Don't Try by Matt Pinkett and Matt Robert, uh, Mark yeah. Roberts. I absolutely love that. And so I found through doing the reading, even though it was other people's research, that started to have an impact on my own classroom practice. Um, so yeah, and I found those, those really interesting and they've, they definitely shaped the way that I approach teaching more than other training or CPD I've had in the past. Oh, so like reading it yourself rather than someone coming in and, and giving you some yeah. CPD as such, that's a reflection upon your own practice. So you, yeah. uh, let's start with the one, I mean, we probably won't get time to talk about all of it, but I know that lots of people would have, of looked at Rose and Shine. I think that was sort of something that last. I want to say two or three years, maybe even longer. I don't know. Sort of the time flies past as being sort of very, very popular. So I may start with that just because of the popularity around Roads and Shine, yeah. and then and then if we get time to talk about uh, about boys, appreciate not everyone 
will because yeah. you know it's quite interesting because obviously generally social is predominantly by uh, taken up by females but um yeah i mean what's the sort of for those people that are either new to teaching because obviously they might have not you know come across it what's the sort of the premise of of rosenstein's sort of theory around pedagogy it's just basically there's he has these 10 principles of instruction and in the book it kind of breaks it down more so it's just things like have a daily review and so it, it, it's not rocket science is it we all do starters based on you know previous i always do it based on previous knowledge and you know you, you flesh those out in various ways you might do directed question you might do a quiz whatever there's that um presenting new material using small steps and again i know that sounds some, some stuff sounds quite obvious ask questions so again i'm I use a lot of um, directed questioning in my lessons, which is something I kind of pride myself on. I try, I don't, it depends on what you're doing, but if it's a, a kind of normal lesson, I, I do try and ask every student one question. Uh, provide models. Now, this is something I admit I kind of need to work out more, but you know, um, model answers and stuff like this, I think um, pay marking and stuff like that is always useful, especially teaching an A-level spec for, you know, you can get kind of top, middle and bottom answer, get students to look at them. Well, how, why is this one met these assessment objectives compared to another one? Uh, and then, yeah, it just lists all these things like provide scaffolds for difficult tasks, independent practice, a weekly, monthly review. Uh, some of them are do more than others. Some of them I'm hoping to incorporate more into my practice this year. Uh, and yeah, the book, uh, Rosenstein's Principle in Action, does actually break it down even more. Uh, in, well, he, 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 the author breaks it down into kind of four sections. Um, but yeah, I, I just found like when I was reading it, some of it I thought, well, it's quite obvious. Well, I think sometimes in the rush of trying to deliver quite a content heavy spec, you kind of go, actually, I need to put this in. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of finding the time to do those things. I think. Yeah, definitely. I think like, I've, I felt the same. I've, I've uh, read it and I just sort of, like, reviewed sort of my, I suppose, my lessons and my skin work in response to it. And some of it, like you said, is is quite obvious. It's a really good refresher. And some of them is about consistency as well. So, I mean, it depends what school and what environment you work in. But like you said, about the starters, we all do starters. But I found for certain cohorts of students, depending on what you're teaching it's nice to have that consistency so they're not really worrying about what the task is and how it's laid out it's laid out in the same way but the content is different so like obviously you're revising different bits uh, but then for other students that can be different because they're okay with that variety but it's those sort of things i think it, i don't know if, if you felt the same but it's just almost like a refresher um rather than like oh this is really like groundbreaking oh, and yeah. how I'm going to put this into my lesson. I think it, for me, I think as someone like yourself, I've been teaching for about 20 years. I feel like it's like quite nice to revisit because it's like one of those things you think, oh, you can easily get into like habits or whatever. And I think it's one of those things you think, oh yeah, well actually all, all that stuff that I do is, is okay, but I can I can refresh it or uh, as something along them lines. You said there were certain things that you felt like you needed to bring in what what were they at from that you said i think more the scaffolding this year just um just to give the students again more i think last year um there were like we we were quite pushed for time to get through the spec um and you know we were doing the normal assessments and stuff with students but i do feel like perhaps we didn't show them enough of like okay this is what a top band answer looks like i mean in some ways it's quite difficult because uh as you know you can say right here's uh, you know a really good answer to this question and then it's, you know, you, you could make one from a past paper question, but that's not the 30 mark of that they end up saying in May next, you know, May uh, next calendar year. So you can do all that stuff. But I guess it's, you know, even if it's not the content, it's the skills, isn't it? The evaluation, the linking back to the question, uh, stuff like that. Um, methods and concepts questions, I always think for 
uh, paper one for a love of sociology it's good to get them looking at you know that a lot uh, so yeah i think that like personally that's something i need to do more is, is the scaffolding stuff especially for weaker students to kind of show them how they can build up their their skills and okay this is what you need to be thinking about you know when you when you're answering questions mm. do you feel like i mean this is sort of a just a just trying to be a probing question do you feel like some does this actually for you in you know like sometimes with with research and pedagogic uh research that like it's a tick box exercise some some of it i'm not suggesting that is but some of it is and then it actually doesn't um enhance the students learning or your own sort of personal uh repertoire of what you offer do you have you found the stuff in um the with, with regards to rose and shine as a principles do you feel that's actually enhanced or do you think it takes away from the lesson like you said you know sometimes with the essays and the modeling there isn't a perfect answer there are yeah. a variety of of perfect answers that mainly is evolved evolving skills i think i think it is still useful to students to look at that i, I absolutely agree about um some like i mean i'm old enough to remember learning styles uh yes. yeah. and he mentions that, that in, the, in the boys don't try but just to kind of touch upon that um and i think the other one the uh, understanding how we learn they both basically debunk that um and you know like when i first started here we used to students has to a test and they were designated they're an audio kinesthetic or visual learner and we had to write that down in our mark book next to their name and you know and now that's all been completely debunked and i always used to say to students listen we all learn different things differently so how i might learn um how to cook a meal i might rather watch a youtube tutorial rather than read it on a on the phone from the BBC Good Food website, but for something else, I might want like the actual instructions written in front of me. So I said, it depends on the task. So yeah, I do think sometimes um, some of the stuff that's thrown at us, again, the boys don't try, but to touch on that is really good. Uh, stuff about boys in competition, uh, you know, that we're yeah, often- so like, let's I, talk I, about I, that. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about yeah. that. So it debunks the, like you said, VAC straight away, yeah. the visual yeah. tree kinesthetic learners. And I, I, I remember when I first started teaching training, I had to colour code that. I think that was like one of their first assessments, you know, when you sort of, what they called baseline assessments, I think it incorporated yeah, yeah. that as well. And I remember thinking, I'm all of those, but none of those at the same time, like you said, depending yeah. on the task that's involved. Um, but yeah, tell us a bit more about that, because obviously gender is quite an interesting thing. I know we've had guests on before that have spoken about sociology and gender and the fact that we predominantly uh, recruit girls but yeah tell us a bit more and so I think what I I'd say out of the three books I've read Boys Don't Try was the one that um, I enjoyed the most and because I you know I've had CPD uh, it's like that, that that thing isn't it how are you going to raise male achievement um, and like you know we've been asked about this in SARS and stuff like that and I always think you know you know uh, reflecting on how you did in the previous year and I always think listen if I crack that I will be the person who goes around to these other schools and colleges and gets paid vast sums of money to tell everyone out it's hard to solve this national you know national issue um but like, like one thing that's you know been um mentioned you know a, a lot of this stuff i've had is boys love competition that's it you got to have lots of quizzes and lessons and you know all this kind of stuff and one thing it, it talks about in this and i like i myself like personally really um like relate to this is um this idea that if i know i if something if i think something's too hard i won't try and I think that's kind of like, so I always said to my students, you know, if you put me in a, a tennis match against Andy Murray and he's not holding back, I'm just not going to play because there's no point if that kind of makes sense. Like I know I'm going to lose. Um, and so similarly, I think sometimes with students, especially those who, you know, if they're finding the, certain parts of the course difficult, if you give them a cahoot to do whatever, if they find that thing difficult, they'll just sit there, make up some excuse. Oh, my Wi-Fi is not working. I'm not doing it. And be like, oh, I didn't try. Because it's, if you don't try, you can't fail. It's that idea, isn't it? That 
the reason you didn't do well wasn't a lack of knowledge, it was a lack of effort. Um, so I found that quite an interesting thing. And then also just this idea that we need to relate everything to boys' interests, you know. Um, and again, it talks in the book about how um, even if you made every lesson about football, you know, A, not all boys are into the same things, uh, but also B, you know, even if you get your favourite thing every day, you're going to get bored of it on. If you get your favourite meal every day, you'd want something new. Uh, and so, yeah, to, like I think sometimes a lot of this stuff around male uh, underachievement and trying to raise male achievement can be quite faddy and playing to particular gender stereotypes. So it was quite refreshing to read a book that just absolutely just kind of destroyed a lot of these ideas of what we should do in the classroom. So what are they suggesting? Because obviously, like I said, there's lots of sort of stereotypes around competition, male interests, which obviously is yeah. generally historic gender stereotypes, as you said before. Um, so what are their solutions? You know, if you've got students in the class, what are, what are their sort of solutions or their recommendations? I mean, they, they were saying, um, I think one of them, I can't remember if they're both English teachers, no, one of them is, you know, they were saying yeah, like, miss- you need to, you know, um, like things have to be pitched to everyone. They were saying that like, if you just try and kind of play to this boys will be boys stereotype, you're actually going to um, kind of limit boys developing their cultural capital. You know, if they have to study Romeo and Juliet, they, you know, they're going to be talking about feelings and relationships and to actually encourage them to do that. So again, you know, if we're looking into stuff in sociology that doesn't, you know, stuff to girls and whatever, um, ask their opinions on it, you know, get them involved in, and stuff like that. I, I still remember years ago, a, a male student of mine denying that the male gaze was a thing in education. And he was like, well, I've never seen it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen um, and, and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, like this idea of, of like I said, trying to just play to boys' interests and stuff like that, you know, they need to understand that, there's girls out there and there's because again it doesn't just touch upon gender it touches upon class this book it touches upon ethnicity sexuality and stuff like this i mean one of the like it's going to sound really daft but one of the biggest takeaways i got from it i used to start every lesson with hi you know all right ladies and gentlemen and then uh, and then it mentions what you've got a non-binary student and i've literally since reading that book i've never used that expression in my classroom since um Mm. so like, like little small things like that you know you can take away i think sometimes you know again doing talking research versus classroom practice. It's not like you're going to read a book and you're going to get A stars out of all these students necessarily, but it can be, you, you take little bits from each thing and then you go, right, I'll, I'll nick that, I'll use that. And that, you know, you pick what kind of works for you, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a really important thing, especially those people in like ECTs or people coming in as trainees, that you sort of create your own little um, toolbox of, of of skills that work uh, and they're the things you go to so like you said right at the beginning the directive question is one of your <laughs> I'm now saying it like it's like self-fulfilling prophecy like it was going to come up to you and start knocking on your door and like oh you're the guy for directive questioning <laughs> but yeah I mean <laughs> yeah everyone's got their things that they get in their toolbox and I think that as a student going into different lessons even if you've got two social teachers it's nice to have difference isn't it because you get different things from different students uh, teachers which will develop their skills in different ways um but yeah, there's a couple of things that you said is your, that your takeaways is just the way we use language in the classroom about sort of developing other skills around, um, I suppose, like you were talking about emotions around boys um, as well, sort of pushing them further. Is there any other, are there any other takeaways from that book or are there sort of the, the, the two sort of key takeaways? Or is it like, because obviously you say it's a really strongly recommended book and if we're yeah. going to go for it. <laughs> I, I would I'd def- I'd definitely recommend anyone who, obviously, if you're working on all girls school, probably slightly less relevant to you, but um, I'd, I'd definitely read that. I'd say just the, the main takeaway I got actually, um, just in terms of time, because I've, I've got a lesson in about five minutes, uh, is the, the understanding how we learn one. Um, one thing I found, so with this, it was more, 
um, how I taught my students to revise because obviously the past two years we've had, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, it's real life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I obviously we had the two years of students who hadn't sat their GCSEs and you know, we, we really saw that in terms of trying to get them prepared for their exams. Um, so this book talks about, um, what is it, what do they call it? A retrieval practice. And again, it, and it's like with the Rosenstein thing, like, well, duh. Um, but I mean, a lot of students, and it mentions in this, it looks at studies where people think just reading over the notes and stuff is the way to, you know, uh, to be successful. And or, or often students will do practice questions on topics like they know because they feel good, like, oh, yeah, I know class difference and achievement really well and throw all the studies in. And it kind of talks about that. Actually, they just need to do like a ton of practice questions and they need to practice pulling the information out of their head. So I kind of uh, made a PowerPoint and basically said, right, you need to split your revision into two sections. So firstly, you've got um, like re going over the stuff. So, you know, like you will have forgot stuff you've done in first year unless you've got a mega memory. So, you know, they will make flashcards and mind maps and use Quizlet or watch the tutor to videos or whatever. Uh, but then also they need to practice pulling that information out of their head. So that's what an exam is. It's not reading over your notes. Your notes aren't there anymore. Um, so, you know, it's things like, um, you know, testing each other, um, you know, the old thing where you, uh, you know, you have a definition of flashcard and then you got to turn it over and remember what it is, stuff like that. But, you know, a, a big focus is just do, like we give practice, uh, past paper booklets uh, to our students. So I was just like, just do loads, just, just like literally just swamp me with them. And that's what mm -hmm. the best students did. Um, and it was hard to get some, some of them to buy into it. But those who did tended to get high grades. In fact, the vast majority did. So I think... Um, it sounds really daft, but just kind of explaining to them how the process of revision works, especially for, you know, two years of cohorts who didn't have to do the GCSEs. Um, I found that like a big, that's, and I use that every year now, and I, you know, I'll be using it with my A1s this year. They've got a, a formal assessment coming up relatively soon. So with my A2s, it's, it's just this idea of like making sure that they understand how revision works. Mm, I, I must admit, and I know you've got to go, but I would say the same. I think one, one of my takeaways is exactly that, that it's, it's, it, sometimes it's useful to explain to the students why you're doing something so that you're not just looking like you're just telling them to do it. So I'm a big fan of flip learning. I'm a, good, I'm a big fan of Odyssey in the classroom. Um, so I make sure that I tell them why I'm doing that. Same with uh, retrieval practice. And then they know that you're not just doing it for the sake of it. It's, there's a method to your madness and you thought, thought it through. And I think some, sometimes they're more likely to get that buy-in. I appreciate you've got to go, but no I will definitely... Yeah. Um, Think about those those books, and I'm sure lots of people will be revisiting Rose of Shine as well because I know that's a popular one at the moment. Um, love to think, love more time to talk to you, but I appreciate you're going to go. Um, no but worries. maybe again sometime. You have yeah, a great yeah. week and look after yourself. Thank you, Dave. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. The Sociology Stuff Room is brought to you by Tutor to You Sociology. Find us at tutortoyou.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutor to you sock or Instagram at tutor to you sock. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.